All right, good evening. God is great. You have your Bibles. I want to invite you to open up. We are going to be in the book of Amos, chapter 7. We're starting the third of the three divisions in the book of Amos. The book of Amos lays out for us... uh, these concepts, it's, it's interesting, I guess there's an interesting thing that we want to try to lay hold of. It'll help you in Matthew 24. It'll help you in Revelation. It'll help you in all the Old Testament prophets and um, in the uh, minor prophets as well. And that is pattern and prophecy. There are events that repeat. Has anyone ever noticed that history repeats itself? Okay, so there are events, events that we see biblically that repeat over and over again. We see the kingdoms of men cannot stand. I don't care how patriotic you are. The United States of America is doomed, just like every nation before her. Rome didn't last, Greek, the Greek Empire didn't last, Medo-Persians, Babylonians, Assyrians, Egyptians, everybody, we, we always think, right, we, mankind often thinks, well, we'll be the exception. But the Bible teaches us that there are no exceptions, and as long as man is making the attempt to govern himself, he is doomed It's a failure. And we see it follow a similar pattern, right? You you work your way up through difficult times. Maybe there's a, a rebellion or something that takes place, and you put down the wickedness around you and establish a new kingdom. And for a while, things are good, but eventually that kingdom earns a period of time of prosperity, and prosperity leads to debauchery, immorality, and crumble. And it has happened over and over and over and over. The Bible tells us there will be a day Jesus Christ will come and his kingdom will destroy all the kingdoms of men and his kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. So on the Kind of on the overlay of human history, you have that reality. And Amos is talking about one of the many loops of this exact pattern happening with the nation of Israel. He began, if you remember, the very first section of Amos dealing with the oracle of the nations. Chapters 1 through 3, God is giving out his uh, judgment, if you will, for the nations. What's... What's going on? And if you pay careful attention, there was a distinction made between the kingdoms of the world and Israel. The kingdoms of the world were judged by God based on how they treated their neighbor. And the kingdom of Israel was judged based on how they treated their God and his revelation. From the Oracle of the Nations, you then move into the sermons. And these are the sermons of Amos 
given to Israel. And from the sermons given to Israel, we learn one, Israel is entering into a period of time where they are facing judgment. Two, Israel is ignoring all God's warnings. So finally, he says, woe to you who hope for the day of the Lord, because it's a day that starts with darkness, not light. That judgment <coughs> that will come. And then woe to you who are at ease. And the Lord makes this statement toward the end of chapter 6. And that is, I loathe your arrogance. I hate your pride. And so the Lord lays these things out. He pulls these things out. Now, we enter into the third section, which is the visions. So he's going to share multiple visions. And as we look at the visions that Amos gives out for us, we're going to, tonight we're going to see the locust, the fire, and the plumb line. And the locust and the fire, as we, when we look at them, we're going to see these are our judgments where the Lord said, I, I think I'm going to do this. And one righteous man prayed, and God said, okay, we'll wait. And then the second one comes, and a righteous man prays, and the Lord says, okay, we'll wait. And then the Lord brings out the plumb line, and he takes the plumb line. You guys know what a plumb line is, right? Just a string with a weight at the end. And the plumb line will, is, a, is, a, is a method of measurement, measuring whether or not something is straight. And so the Lord uses the plumb line on Israel, and he says, this wall's not straight. If you were building a house, and you came to a wall that was not straight, and it was far enough out that you, you're going to have to do something about that wall, aren't you? You're going to tear it down, and you're going to build it right. These are the visions of Amos laying out these concepts that there's going to be ultimately the concept that judgment can be forestalled. The judgment can be put off, but judgment will come. You cannot stop it eternally. Every man, woman, and child will stand before God. They will stand before their maker. I often tell uh, Hannah, who's home for a couple of weeks, life is full of do what? So you're going one day, Hannah, one day, Hannah, Jackie, everybody, we're going to stand before God for our decisions. And when you're standing before God for your decisions, you don't get to say, well, they made me. What you get to say is. I freely made these cho choice X, whatever it is, right? For whatever reason that I might be uh, standing before the Lord. For me in particular, I'll stand before the Lord for every word I taught, for everything I said, God, thus saith the Lord. I will stand on the carpet for it all, and I have no one to blame. I can't say, well, well the book I read, the Lord is going to be like, look, you have just as much opportunity as anybody to get it right. You don't get to blame it on somebody else. The Lord's plumb line is perfect. Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Which makes us right. Judgment can't be forestalled forever. Let's take a look at the text uh, this evening. 
In Amos 7, beginning at verse 1, this is what the Lord God showed me. So these are his visions. Behold, he was forming locusts with the latter growth <coughs> was just beginning to sprout. And behold, it was the latter growth after the king's mowings. And when they had finished eating the grass of the land, I cried out, Oh, Lord God, please forgive. How can Jacob stand? He is so small. So you have a picture of God's judgment coming. Now, please, we make these mistakes all the time. So I will consider myself a literalist. A lot of people may disagree with me, but you need to understand a literalist means I'm, I want to take what was written by the author as it is intended. So you need to realize locusts can be a literal locust coming and eating all the crops, or they can be figurative of the people's uh, harvest never coming in. Both result in the same thing. Do you understand? It's important that we kind of get these ideas because we get ourselves nailed down to a strict literalism and we ignore the examples that we see historically of these events happening. I'll give you an example. We go to the book of Malachi and Malachi basically lays out for us that if you're robbing God, you're not, you're not tithing. He's talking to the nation of Israel. You're bringing broken offerings to the Lord. You're doing all of these things before God. He says that he will send the devourer. Now, what's the devourer do? Well, the devourer is going to devour all your riches. Do you ever sit down and think about the money you have left over at the month and wonder where it all went? Now, you can look around for a locust landing in your pocket eating your money. Or you can say, you know what, the devourer, I, maybe my attitude toward the Lord is out of whack. And there's other times where our attitude toward the Lord is correct, and we say, I have no idea how this stretched so far. Right? We've experienced both of those. So when the Lord says, look, I'm, I'm going to bring the locusts. It could actually be locusts for sure. Locusts came. Swarms of locusts would come through and eat up all the crops. It could also be an army coming through and taking all the crops. The result is the same, no? And the Lord would say it's still a judgment from him. But you have one righteous man in this example, Amos, who's a shepherd. He's not a priest. <coughs> he hasn't gone to the school of prophets. He hasn't got a bunch of letters after his name. But he hears from the Lord that judgment is coming, and he cries out to the Lord, please don't bring it. Forgive us. And so, the very next verse, look what it says in verse 3, the Lord relented concerning this and said, it shall not be. So, okay. Now, when God forestalls judgment, you'll notice that the Lord didn't say, so I forgave the people. No. He said, I'll, I'll hold back on judgment. And what do we see? That is called the long suffering of God, the extending of grace from God and an opportunity for men to repent. Read the book of Revelation. It's all over the pages of Revelation, right? A chance is given for the people to repent. Then you have the second example, verse four. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, the Lord God was calling for a judgment by fire. And it devoured the great deep. That's the water. So the, the picture that he's painting is 
There's a judgment of fire, and what's happening is all the water's going away. What do we call that? We call that a drought, right? Now, what happens when you have a drought? Everything dries up, yeah? And all it takes is one little spark, and everything goes away, right? We have all watched California burn like crazy for how long? Because of drought conditions, right? We, we can see sometimes the same thing in our own neck of the woods. So it's a judgment of fire. It devoured the great deep, that great deep. He's talking about the waters of the land. Um, and it was eating up the land. And I said, <coughs> excuse me, oh Lord God, please cease. How can Jacob stand? He's so small. So Amos once again intercedes for the land. And once again, you hear the phrase, the Lord relented concerning this, this also shall not be. So <clears throat> you have time. Now, if you look at the history of the northern kingdom, you're going to see prophet after prophet after prophet, the word of God going forth over and over and over again and being turned away, turned away, turned away. There will come a day when God will take the plumb line out and say, I have to fix the wall. It's too crooked. And so he has turned these things away. Amos, we see as a prophet full of compassion, a man willing to pray for, the, for a wicked people, that God would forestall his judgment, because judgment is bad. It oftentimes is the gateway to repentance, but in the case of Israel, there will not be, the northern kingdom never comes back. He tears down the wall and it never comes back. You have the southern kingdom goes into captivity in Babylon and they return to the land. Northern kingdom does not. So this judgment is tearing down. The, the way God's going to straighten that wall is he's going to straighten it with people from the south, not from the north. So... He is laying out, look, this is the problem. Man is crooked. And I gave him time to repent. And he stayed crooked. And I gave him more time to repent. And he, and he stayed crooked still, all the more crooked. So then you have in verse 7, the Lord saying, okay, then I'm going to bring a judgment that won't be turned away. He says in verse 7, this is what he showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, and the plumb line was in his hand. Now the measurement of the plumb line, it's important that we understand the standard by which the Lord is measuring is himself. See, when God brings judgment to his people, those who have sworn allegiance to him, loyalty to God, right? Loyal love to God. That was at least the profession of the northern kingdom. Then the Lord holds up the plumb line, and in essence he's saying, Are you, do you look like me? Are you straight like me? He holds out the plumb line to check the wall, and the plumb line hangs in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. 
And the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will never again pass by. So <clears throat> there's two ways to look at that, but basically what the Lord is saying is, I'm setting up the plumb line, and everything that's not in line with the plumb line is going to go. There's no more. It's similar to when Jeremiah, <clears throat> who was ministering to the southern kingdom, and God says to Jeremiah, hey, it's time for judgment. Judgment is coming. And the Lord says to Jeremiah, don't pray for this people anymore. The point is God saying, I'm not turning away. It is coming, period. The judgment day will come. There's, the scriptures talk about times of God's grace and times of God's mercy, but there is, will also be a day of God's wrath. Amen? There'll be a day of God's justice. Those days will come. And so uh, the Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of the people of Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel will be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. So he lays out these three judgments specifically. One, the high places are going to be brought down. The high places were the places where in the, in the ancient world people worshipped. Everywhere in Greece you go, when you go to see, it doesn't matter what town, any town, go to Athens, doesn't make any difference. The temples were built at the top, the highest point of the city. So that you always had to look up to see them. The temples were also the banks. They were the places where people would keep their money. And it would all be done at the top, the height of the mountains. And so it was no different for Israel. Israel and all their idolatry and their building of altars for all the false worship that they did, not the temples they built, just their personal high places where they would go to worship. The Lord says, I'm going to take all those down. They're all coming down. Once upon a time, I had a house in California. It was my house. Well, I paid for it. I made the payments every month. I had a guy live in there for over a year and never paid me one time. The previous to that, there was a, a young family that lived there. It was my house. But they made some alterations. And when they moved out, I had to go in and fix it all. Fix the what was broken, the walls that were painted. I can't remember. I think it was the bathroom they painted uh, baby blue or something was weird to me. So it's my house. I get to put it back how I want it to be. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And in particular, God has said of Israel, this is mine. You don't get to put high places on it. It's mine. So I'm going to come clean it up. No blue paint on the walls. You don't, need, you don't get to just do whatever you want, right? It's not your place. It's mine. And so the Lord is 
one going to bring down all the high places, all the altars of the high places of Isaac. They'll be made desolate. And all the sanctuaries of Israel. Now Israel, the northern kingdom, had no temple. The temple was in what, what city? Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is in the south. It's in Judah. So in the north, Israel, they, they, if they were going to worship God uh, the way God wanted them to worship, they needed to go south. And that made Jeroboam, the king, nervous. I don't want my people always going down there. They might not come back. So he built two sanctuaries, put in two golden calves, one in Dan, the northernmost city, and one in Bethel, the southernmost city of the, of the kingdom of Israel. They had two sanctuaries where they could worship the golden calf who was the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Is that how that went? Seems like they tried that lie before, right? You remember when Moses went up on the mountain to talk to God and they started building a golden calf, right? Well, we got to have something that we can bow down to. And we don't want to just bow down to this mountain. It's kind of scary. There's lightning and thunder and rumbling and God's voice came from there. It kind of freaks us out. We're going to build a golden calf. We're less afraid of that. <clears throat> so the northern kingdom did this. So the Lord says... The sanctuaries, they're going to be laid waste. There'll be no, those temples are coming down. Today, if you come with us to Israel, we're going to go in 2024. If you come with us to Israel, we'll go to Dan. And when we walk through the, the ruins in Dan, we'll come to the site where the golden calf was. So it's still the, the foundation. You can't see the golden calf. We'll, we'll just have you imagine it in your mind. But it's the place, it's the spot where that golden calf was put up. And so the Lord says, I'm going to take all that down. And it is all down. The third judgment, he said, that my, my sword will be against the house of Jeroboam. When the northern kingdom broke from the south, the Lord said to Jeroboam, look, if you will follow me, then I will take care of your house. And Jeroboam chose not to do that. Now, this is Jeroboam 2. Jeroboam 1's gone. He's been gone a long time. So now we're, we're coming. You know, like similarly in our world, every time there's a new pope, they take another name, right? They, they had their birth name, their government name, as some people call it. And then eventually when they reach a place of authority, in those days when you became king, you might take another title, so he took the name Jeroboam. So Jeroboam II is the one who's going to hear this, the sword of the Lord is against your house, meaning there will be no more kings from this line. No more kings. Now I want you to picture Amos is receiving a vision from God. He's prayed for the nation twice and been at least a part of the reason why uh, judgment forestalled. And now he's delivering this vision that God had given him to the northern kingdom. But you know, when people stand in the public square and say, thus saith the Lord, most of the time, people don't like that. Right? Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, 
where one of those sanctuaries was, remember, sent to Jeroboam, the king of Israel, and said, Amos has conspired against you. So the framing of the story by the high priest to the media of the day is Amos is trying to wipe out the line of the king. Now, is that what was going on? Amos has not got a sword in his hand. He's not charging anywhere. He's just saying, look, God's bringing his judgment, and this is what it's going to look like. God's judgment is come. The vision is declaring this judgment will come. Amos, they said, has conspired against you in the middle of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. You're not allowed to say these words. Oh. But nobody with, would ever try to control the words you say, would they? You see, the Bible would tell us through the pattern of prophecy that we see that there's nothing new under the sun. We might have electronic gadgets that we utilize to, to use, send our words further. But the ability to control the words you say and the message that you give, that's not new. Here you have Amaziah the priest doing it. The land can't bear the words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam will die by the sword. And Israel will go into exile away from this land. Well, that part was true. And guess what's going to happen? Jeroboam's going to die by the sword, and Israel's going to go into exile. So the words he spoke were true words, but Amaziah, he wants to shut it down. In the New Testament, Peter would say this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you as though something strange were happening to you. Jesus would say, the student is not greater than the master. If they hate me, they're going to hate you too. If I hold up the plumb line of the Lord and I make the choice that I'm going to stand with him, then the rest of the world is going to be not straight with that plumb line. Right? Right? And when you say, hey, that's not straight, they're going to push back. No. They're going to push back. Don't be surprised that the world doesn't like the message. And here, for Amos, he's not surprised. He's not surprised that, that they would respond like this. So <clears throat> there's a solution. Amaziah says to Amos, oh, seer, go south. You should go someplace else. You know you should go be where all the other people like you are. Why do you want to come tell us about this? I mean, we're not hurting anybody. Why should you be here telling us? Do you know the answer to that question? It is not so that we can, you know, blow a horn and celebrate destruction uh, judgment when it comes but if you are the watcher on the wall and you sound no trumpet the Lord says you have blood guilt on your hands if you know 
that the lifestyle of your friends or someone in your family is taking them to hell and you don't say that, I know they might not ever talk to you again. True? True. But what good is your talking to them if you're not going to tell them the truth in love? What good is it? Then you have what the Bible says that the faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. They'll just say, hey, it's okay. I love you. Well, that's not in doubt. There are people in my family I love very dearly who may not want to have a single thing to do with me. But I'm not, I was not placed on earth in this place to earn the love and respect of my family. I was placed here to show my loyalty to the king. Now, I'm not saying we want to fight over every little thing. Okay, There's a lot of doubtful things people want to argue over. It's not what I'm talking about, but there's clear teachings. Yes? There's clear teachings. It's not hard to know whether or not it's wrong to murder. Is it? That's not hard to know. So he is going to share. Now, Amos, Amaziah says to Amos, you just need to go down south. Down south, there's a lot more. Down south, that is where the Bible Belt is. And the people down there, they're going to like you better. And you'll get along and, you, and we don't have to have this conflict. Because you're always trying to change us. So Amaziah, you know, he says, you go, go south. He says, eat bread there. So fellowship there with them. Stop trying to be with us. And prophesy there. And never again prophesy at Bethel. For it is the king's sanctuary. And it is a temple of the kingdom. So you, you don't have, you should, you're not, you don't stay here. Don't, don't bring that message here. You don't see any parallels to our world? It's hard, it's hard for me not to see them. I spend <laughs> a lot of time, I know we've been in the prophets a long time, and people have been coming here a while, like, oh, Lord, Jack is never going to finish the Old Testament. I will. It'll happen. But there's just so many parallels that I look at it and I say, oh, my gosh, look at the, look at the attitude that they have toward Amos. Now, Amos has not got a sword in his hand. He's not starting riots. He, all he's doing is standing in the public square and saying that we're out of line with God and he's going to bring his judgment because we're out of line with God. That's what he's saying. And the world he's in is saying, get out of here. We don't want you. Which, by the way, is why judgment is coming to the northern kingdom. It's why. Isaiah, who also prophesied to the northern kingdom, said these words in Isaiah 30, verse 9. They are a rebellious people, lying children, Children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, the prophets, do not see. Who say to the prophets, do not prophesy about what is right. Stop telling us that this is right and that is wrong. 
Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy lies. And the people, the prophet, those called of God won't do that. Those who are hirelings, well, they will. I'll tell you what you want to hear. I'd like my life to be smooth. Anybody want smooth? I don't wake up in the morning and say, man, I want conflict all day today. If you know me, you know I never want conflict. I hate conflict. I don't like it at all. In fact, I don't even understand you people who like it. I don't understand it at all. But I am obligated to speak the truth. And that brings me into conflict almost every day. Over and over and over again. And how we have to guard our heart is to be willing to speak the truth and not become judge. Did God call the prophets to be judge? What's all the prophet is doing is saying what God said, right? That's all that's happening. I could fulfill the role of a prophet by taking the Bible, standing on a corner and reading the Bible and making no comment. I am speaking God's word, right? And God's word is true. And if it's offensive to those who hear, it's God's word that's offensive and it's not me. I'm just delivering what God's word says. God does not say, okay, now Jackie, after you told them, you be the judge. Go get a big hammer and start whacking people on the head. He didn't say that, did he? He doesn't say that. He says, now, follow the example of Christ. That's what he tells me. He says, Christ was reviled, and he did not revile in return. He was tortured, and he did not threaten. He entrusted himself into the hands of the one who judges justly. So where do I put myself? I put myself in God's hands, and I say, Lord, you know. You know my heart, and if my heart's wrong, God will fix it. Yeah? Lord, you know my heart. There will be a day when everyone's going to take their swords and make plows. And they will study war no more. But until that time, God's people have a responsibility to speak the truth. And so Amos is faced with this in verse 14. So Amos answered and said to Amaziah, Look, I'm, I was no prophet. I did not go, you know what I want to do? I want to go to the northern kingdom and be hated by everybody. Do you think people choose that? Do you think the guys that, that are out, maybe the guys in the, in the olden days who went out to Planned Parenthood and stood there, that they said, you know, I want to go stand here and be hated and flipped off by everybody who drives by. I want people to throw food at me. Uh, this is, you know, I'm excited about that. No, 
but they want to be obedient to God. And God's word says to do what you can to slow down those whose feet are swift to shed innocent blood. And so some people did that. Now, Amaziah or, or Amos here is saying, look, I didn't go, oh, you know what I want? I, I'm studying to be a prophet. I can't wait to get rocks thrown at me and get myself put in a log and sawed in two. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I was a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore figs. I was fine with the sheep and, take, and taking care of the trees. But the Lord took me. The Lord told me to come. He said, go prophesy to my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You say, do not prophesy against Israel and do not preach against the house of Isaac. Therefore, thus says the Lord, your wife shall be a prostitute in the city. Your sons and your daughters will fall by the sword. Your land will be divided up with a measuring line. You yourself will die in an unclean land. And Israel is going into exile. Jeremiah said it like this. I got tired of telling the people the things they don't want to hear. So I decided I'm just going to shut up. Everybody hates me anyway. I'm just going to shut up. I'm done. Lord, I'm not going to speak. Thus saith the Lord anymore. Do you know what the next verse in Jeremiah says? His words were like fire in my bones, and I could not be silent. So I had to speak. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. No prophet stood proud, with maybe the exception of Jonah, because he wanted to see Assyria be destroyed. Right? But everybody else, they're like, they're like Jeremiah. They're weeping. They're like Amos praying that God would forestall his judgment. But Amos's vision here, his, his point in this first of the, of the final chapters of the book of Amos is just takes one righteous man willing to stand up and pray to forestall the judgment of God. But if there is no repentance, then judgment will come like a plumb line. The standard of God will be set. And if we don't measure up, I mean, ultimately, isn't that the whole reason Jesus came? Because we don't measure up. And he who knew no sin became a sin sacrifice for me that I might become the righteousness of God. And even though the people hated Amos for his words, Amos, like Jeremiah before him, says, I what else can I say? Shall I obey God or you? I'm going to choose to obey God. And I'm going to tell you the truth of what God said. Now, those people who heard him, you know what they could have done? Life is full of choices, right? Make good ones. They could have heard what Amaziah said and said, I think we're going to go south. Down south, they're still worshiping Yahweh. They're not perfect, but they're still worshiping him. Down south, the judgment is coming north. We could go south. Or we can stay here in our debauchery 
and we can face the day of the Lord, which is a day of darkness first, not light. And so Amos faithfully delivers that word. Now here's the good news. We finished chapter 7. We're going to do chapter 8, which is also going to be similar to chapter 7. Then we're going to do chapter 9, which is also going to be similar to chapter 8. And then when we get to the end, keep this in mind, we get to the epilogue of the book of Amos. The Lord is going to lay out the hope. Look, if, if we choose to walk, run, stand, stay in sin, there is no hope but ultimately judgment before God. But he always, when he tells us the one, just like Jesus telling about his death, burial, he always talks about his resurrection. <clears throat> so Amos is going to say at the end of Amos, but there will be a day. There will be a day we see this judgment coming, the darkness comes, but the light will dawn. And when the light dawns, when that light shines upon us, there will be not an end of just destruction, but there will be restoration. The book of Revelation says it like this, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And those who trust Christ will live there happily ever after. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I am often... Uh, I feel weary about the constant rebellion, the, the constant turning of their face from you, running in the opposite direction. But I do know, Lord, that you have declared there will be a day of judgment and there will be a day of restoration. And on that day of restoration, we will hear our Savior say, see, I make all things new. Every tear wiped away, every sadness gone, and inexpressible joy. For there is sorrow in the evening, but joy comes with the morning. So, Lord, help us keep our eyes on the promise of a new day. And as we await that day, help us be faithful. Faithful to not try to be Amos. Nobody's got to be Amos. We just got to be who we are in Christ. Help me be who you've called me to be, Lord. To be faithful, to be doing the things you've asked me to do until I see your face. What a glorious day that will be. 
Help us keep our eyes on the prize. Not be distracted by the wickedness around us. But realize for such a time as this, God has placed us here. It's our time. This is our place. We have a responsibility to fulfill. So give us wisdom as we seek to do it, Lord. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.